Let us pray. I am moved by uh, Sam's uh, singing, uh, his song, He Leaded Me. I'm so grateful for the talent in this church. Let us pray. Lord, we come to you today with open hearts and open minds ready to receive your word. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Come and allow us to speak and receive the word you have for us today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I suggest you open um, your Bibles, your Pew Bibles, to the page 238, the book of Ruth, a very short book, only four chapters. And sometimes it's good to just open the Bible. I'm so glad for the slides and all the work that's done, but sometimes we need to open the Bible. Hear the word of the Lord from Ruth, chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land, and a certain man of Bethlehem in Judah went to live in the country of Moab, he and his wife and two sons. The name of the man was Elimelech, and the name of his wife, Naomi, and the names of his two sons were Mahlon and Shilion. They were Ephratites from Bethlehem in Judah. They went into the country of Moab and remained there. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The story of Ruth takes place at the same time, at the time of the judges. We don't know exactly when the period started, but scholars believe that it ended on the year 1030 when the monarchy started, 1030 BC. The judges were Israel's leaders who lived in the period between the conquest of the promised land, which is told by the book of Joshua, and the establishment of the monarchy in the book of 1 Samuel. The judges were leaders who defended Israel from the enemies during this period. Who were Israel's enemies? At this time, at the time of Judges, Israel didn't have big enemies like superpowers like Egypt or Babylon or Assyria. Their enemies were the ones, the smaller nations surrounding Israel, like the Philistines. But at the time the story starts, there is another big enemy, a major oppressor coming into the scene, and that is a famine. The same enemy which forced Jacob to move with his family into Egypt. A famine devastated the land. Elimelech and his family lived in Bethlehem in Judah, The word Bethlehem is a combination of two Hebrew nouns, bait, which means house, and lechem, which means bread. So it's bait lechem, Bethlehem, the house of bread. And it had this name because in ancient times, Bethlehem was the bread basket, so to speak. It was where the grain came to feed the region. Ellen Davis of Duke University, you're going to hear about her a couple of times because I studied, um, when in Hebrew I studied her books, of Duke University, she points out the irony of the situation. Because while in Bethlehem, the house of bread, there was no food, there was a famine, 
In Moab, just across the Jordan, there was plenty of food. There was abundance of food. While Moab was considered a godless, a pagan place, Bethlehem, as you know, was part of the land promised to Abraham, the promised land, the land of milk and honey. Did you ever feel that sometimes things are upside down? They are inverted. The people of God are suffering and the people who do evil are doing just fine. This was one of these times. Also, this is one of the times that God shows his grace, that the tragedies and crises give opportunity for God to step in, and he will later on in the story. But right now, things are difficult. Elimelech, Naomi, and her two sons migrated from Bethlehem, where there was a devastating family, and stayed just, just there, just until the end of, of the family. He has, Elimelech had no intention of settling there forever. He had land in Bethlehem. The Bible mentions they were Ephratites. Ephra is the ancient name of the region of, of Bethlehem in Genesis. It's possible that the decision to migrate to Moab wasn't an easy one. The culture of the time encouraged people to stay where they belonged and help each other during a crisis, such as the famine. Davis says this, these are her words. You know, sometimes we think that the Bible, and I know the Bible, we take, we take it's, our, it's our book. It's what we believe in. It's the word of God. But we forget that the Jews also had the first part of the Bible. So the rabbis studying this, this story, the book of Ruth, they didn't think very much of Elimelech. They, he, they thought he was doing the wrong thing by leaving his people and going to Moab. So in other words, spiritually, Ellen Davis says, Moab was like the wrong side of the tracks. Continue on verse 3. Elimelech, the husband of Naomi, died. She was left with her two sons. These took Moabite wives. The name of the one was Orpah, and the name of the other, Ruth. When they had lived about 10 years, both Mahlon, the sons, and Kilion also died. So that the woman, Naomi, was left without her two sons and without her husband. Now, what did the future look like for Naomi after losing her husband and her two sons? Naomi couldn't own property. Women could not own property. She was an older woman. She had to be cared for. She had no family to care for her. Scholars point out that at that time, Israel being an agrarian society, women were powerful, they were influential, but they could not own property. All the rights of the property were kept in the hands of the fathers, the husbands, and the sons. And Naomi's family had still another problem. The Bible tells us that they lived there for 10 years after marriage, so they had no children. So Naomi had no grandchildren. She was left without her husband, without her sons, and without grandchildren. Naomi describes how she feels in verse 20. 
Call me no longer Naomi, which means the pleasant one. Call me Mara, which means bitterness. For the Almighty has dealt bitterly with me. I went away, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi when the Lord has dealt harshly with me and the Almighty has brought calamity to me? She was very sincere in her conversation with the Lord about how she felt about her situation. In addition to Naomi's grieving of the passing of the husband and two sons, she felt guilty. Like most of us moms, we feel guilty for everything that happens in our family. And in this case, Naomi felt guilty because the sons married Moabite women, because the husband left Bethlehem where he should have stayed helping. She felt guilty. And also, what was even more interesting, I found, was that the Jews didn't really believe in life after death. They didn't have the same hope we have in, in Jesus, in his resurrection, the assurance that we're going to live beyond our death. So this is Naomi's situation. And you, you, she asked herself, she was asking herself, where is God in all this? You know, sometimes we have situations like that. I have four daughters, and you know three of them. They grew up in this church. I asked Rachel permission to tell the story yesterday. And um, Rachel grew up in, here in this church. She, last year, she graduated from law school. And this year, she blocked four months to study for the bar exam. She was not communicating with anybody. She was completely focused on the bar exam. So we didn't hear much from her. But one evening, one night, late at night, she called me crying. She says, Mom, I think God is against me. I said, why do you say that? I don't think so. I think God loves you. God is right there with you. She says, I have bats in my attic. And I have one bat right now insisting in coming into my bedroom. This was like midnight. I said, Rachel, you know, you have to uh, believe that God is there. God created the bats. This is not, don't think about the bats of Halloween. This is God's creation. And we're going to pray. And we prayed. And she found somebody who specializes in sending the bats away. And later on, she told me something very interesting. She had this insight. She says, you know, Mom, I had so much fear of this exam. I was studying, trusting God in one way, but fearing on another side. And, and the bats took away my fear. I think the Lord used the bats to take away my fear. I thought that was interesting. God has a purpose for everything in our lives. God is sovereign, and God has a plan for all of us. He had a plan for Naomi. Let's continue on verse 6. Then Naomi started to return with her daughters from the country of Moab, for she had heard, and here's the good news, that in the country, she had heard while still in Moab, that the Lord had considered his people in Bethlehem. The Lord had provided for the people in Bethlehem, given them food. 
So she set out from the place where she had been living with her daughters-in-law. This is verse 7. And they went on their way to go back to the land of Judah. But Naomi said to her, to her two daughters-in-law, go back, each of you. Go back to your mother's house. May the Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. In this verse, Naomi is saying to her daughters-in-law, Ladies, you're young. I have nothing to offer. My sons are dead. Don't come with me. Go back to your mother, your father, your, your gods. You will have a family again. Find a husband. Have children. Don't come with me. And Orpah, one of the daughters-in-law, kissed her mother-in-law, kissed Naomi, and turned back to Moab. I'm quite sure that if I was in Orpah's sandals, I would have done the same thing. Because it made sense. Why go to a foreign place, which Israel was a foreign place, Bethlehem was a foreign place for them. They didn't feel welcome there. Why go? Accompany a cranky old widow instead of going back home, having children, finding a new husband. In verses 14 and 15, we read that Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye and headed back to Moab. But Ruth, Ruth clung tightly to Naomi. Naomi tried one more time. Look, look, Naomi said to Ruth, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. You should do the same. But Ruth says in verse 16 a very, very powerful words which are read in a lot of different um, occasions, including weddings, because these are vows, as you will see. She says, do not press me to leave you or turn back from following you. These are Ruth's words on verse 16. Where you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. There I will be buried. May the Lord do thus so to me, and so more to me as well, if even death parts from you. I mean, she is making a vow to the Lord of Israel and to Naomi. And in this moment, Ruth, I, was, I realized this, she became, she became a convert. She, be, she became a believer in the God of Israel. And at the same time, she professed faith and promised to fulfill the most important commandments, love God and love your neighbor. So with these words, she abandons the Moabite pagan gods and embraces the God of Israel at the same time. So Ruth showed what in the Hebrew language is called hesed, compassion, faithfulness, steadfastness. The two widows... Ruth and Naomi returned to Bethlehem together. And verse 22 says, Naomi returned from Moab accompanied with her daughter-in-law. And I love this. They arrived in Bethlehem in late spring at the beginning of the barley harvest. The Lord had provided for them. The Lord was blessing his people. And Naomi and Ruth were included in, Lord's, in the Lord's blessings. On chapter 2, Verse 1, we, we read, Now Naomi had a kinsman, which means a relative, on her husband's side, 
a prominent rich man of the family of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. And Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, let me go to the field and glean among the ears of grain behind someone in whose sight I may find favor. The Israel had favorable laws to, to feed the foreign people and the poor people, so she could glean. But she, the, the Hebrew version says she was lucky. She became lucky because she was precisely in the field belonging to Boaz, who was of the family of Elimelech. So the story of Ruth continues, and I would encourage you to read it. Boaz, this prominent and rich man, redeems the family land, the family property, and marries Ruth. Boaz and Ruth have a son named Obed. And in chapter 4, verse 14, the women said to Naomi, the women in, in Bethlehem, the friends, Naomi's friends, says, Blessed be the Lord, who has not left you this day without next to kin. And may his name be renowned in Israel. He shall be to you a restorer of life and a nourisher of your old age. For your daughter-in-law who loves you, who is more to you than seven sons, has borne him. So Naomi had a son, Obed. A son has been born to Naomi. They named him Obed. He became the father of Jesse, the father of David. So in verse 18, you have the genealogy that goes from Obed, Naomi's grandson, Ruth's son, all the way to Jesse and King David. And it goes like this. Now, these are the descendants of Paris, became father of Hezron, Hezron of Ram, Ram of Aminabah, Aminabah of Nashon, Nashon of Salmon. I, I, I love now genealogies. I, I didn't like it before. Boaz of Obed, Obed of Jesse, and Jesse of David. So Ruth, this Moabite woman, became the great-grandmother of King David. She's one of five women mentioned in Matthew, in the genealogy of Jesus. You may say, well, Carmen, this is a long story, but what does that mean to me? What is the Lord saying to us? Well, we talk about the need for justice and love in this world. There's no question that there's need for love and justice in this world out there. We talk about it out there. How are we treating the people closest to us? How are we caring for our parents, our grandparents? Are we committed to standing by them and being faithful to them just as Ruth was to Naomi? Are we showing them said? This congregation, I must say this, Church of the Lakes, is known for showing love to one another. I commend you for that. I've seen this for many years. I have also seen people in this congregation, I won't mention names, who have, been, who have gone beyond their duty to take care of their loved ones. I pray that we will act like Ruth in life. We've been close, too close together during the pandemic, living with the husbands, children, 
wives close together, are we treating each other with hesed? Because this is what love is all about. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for your word and the story of Ruth and Naomi and pray that you give us the kind of commitment and hesed Ruth had for Naomi. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.